Hey there, this is Adam Zekas with Tom Kissingbear from the IDP Read and React IDP Podcast right here at TLF. Uh, say hello, Tom. you, chap golly good gosh. Here I am. Uh, great. Uh, anyway, um, if you're interested in getting started with IDP and Dynasty Leagues or looking for a way to dominate your IDP Leagues, then our show is for you. Isn't that right, Tom? Ah, yes, my good man, and of course I bring the coveted data and insight that can only come from a monarch-loving, tea-slurping, crumpet muncher such as myself. Yep, very very cool, Tom, very cool. Um, Well, you can find our podcast right here in the DLF Family of Podcast feed on DynastyFootball.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at The Read and React. DLF family, a podcast. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD Rome in the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show. Yes, back at it once again. It's, it, it's definitely, it's been a while for a podcast in general. Um, but it's been even longer since we really got to talk about at least what I want to talk about. I know we were talking about what you want to talk about. I'm well aware. I'm well aware that rookie season is uh, it's a big deal in the dynasty community. And I get it. It makes sense. You know, we're getting introduced to a new group of players that we're not familiar with. So, you know, it, it, it makes some sense. But to me... Now we've kind of settled into a spot where I feel comfortable, I feel good about this rookie class. I like the way we're talking about them. You know, we've kind of finally just immersed them into the overall player pool. And now we're finally kind of talking about these players in relation to, you know, the veterans, the entire player pool of fantasy football, of of NFL players um, in terms of fantasy football. So, you know, it, to me, that's that's where this stuff gets really interesting. It's where it gets really important. See, because the problem, like this is this is a big part of why I've been complaining about about rookie season, about rookie fever, and all of it. I mean, I, I, like I like talking about startups, anyways. It, there's so much more to it. There's so much more nuance. You can kind of move around and and you know, there's a bunch of different ways to attack it. Like, you know, in a rookie draft, what else are you doing at 101 other than taking Trevor Lawrence? I mean, I'm sure some people took Kyle Pitts, you know, in a even in a super flex league. But, you know, generally speaking, you're taking Trevor Lawrence. There's just kind of no way around it. I mean, this is a very quarterback-driven, very quarterback-centric podcast. You know that. You know, the, the home of quarterback extreme. But... Uh, you know, I, I I personally like the idea that we don't, you know, in the startup, we don't have to focus on quarterbacks if we don't want to. We should. I do. That's what I feel comfortable with. That's, you know, that's my strategy. And, uh, you know, I think that it, it seems like it kind of makes some sense to a lot of a lot of you, my super friends. And, um, you know, you end up taking some of the same approaches. But 
we don't have to, you know. We've seen that people can win a, a dynasty championship, you know, without taking quarterback particularly seriously in the startup. We've seen that. We know that that's the case. And there, are, from there, there's a lot of different ways to go about, you know, constructing a championship roster. In a rookie draft, though, I mean, there's 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 not a whole lot of gray area to it. You know, it gets a little a, a little more difficult after 101. You start talking about Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. Kyle Pitts makes it into the conversation. Jam, uh, Jamar Chase makes it into the conversation. Najee Harris makes it into the conversation, I think. Probably should, at least. Um, you know, but, like, it's it's still just this very small little group of, of players that you can reasonably choose between. You know, and if those players don't, you know, the players who are available there don't really fit your needs, I mean, you're just kind of looking to trade out and not make the pick. Whereas in the startup, I mean, there's just so many different ways you can go, you know, with every single pick. And so, you know, that like that's that's a big part of why I like talking more about startups. But even more than that, even more importantly, in my opinion, is the fact that when we start talking about rookies without including, you know, the, all of the veterans, without putting them in the entire player pool and, you know, making them swim, <laughs> without doing that, we end up overvaluing the hell out of those players, you know? that, And that's where we end up making a lot of mistakes in roster management. We end up trading away, you know, veteran players for rookie picks and those rookie picks become rookie players and those rookie players you know become like they they kind of settle into the player pool a little bit they kind of sink down in you know and and you know we see their ADP kind of drop when we finally get to this point where we're at now where we're just talking about the entire player pool we're not, you know, the, the, the rookies don't take center, center stage anymore. They're not in the spotlight the way they were before. They're just part of the overall picture, the overall pool of players. So, and, and once that happens, you know, a lot of them start to lose their value pretty fast. All of a sudden, you know, where we were trading, you know, Baker Mayfield to move up in in the into the first round of rookie drafts and end up with Trey Lance. Now all of a sudden you get into a startup and you're looking at Baker Mayfield versus Trey Lance. Baker Mayfield has Jarvis Landry to throw to. He's got Odell Beckham Jr. to throw to. He's got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt supporting him. He's got, you know, three three deep at, at tight end. Like, you know, second year in that Stefanski system. Like, it, it's everything's looking pretty good for Baker Mayfield. Whereas Trey Lance, I mean, when does he get on the field? You know, when does he become the starter? You know, so that's a move that we were willing to make when all we were thinking about, we were just like zeroed in on, the, on those rookies. And now... Now that we kind of take a step back and look at the big picture, the full player pool, now all of a sudden Trey Lance doesn't look 
you know, quite as quite as enticing. He's still going to be good, I believe. You know, I and and I'll be honest with you guys. I think that way too much has been made over the fact uh, I'm I'm a sucker for a good narrative. You all know that. But I think way too much has been made of the fact that, you know, the first round quarterbacks have historically been, you know, fairly high bust rates. You know, you usually get one or two from a draft class who hit and everyone else busts. I I I don't I don't believe that that's going to continue to be the case necessarily. So, you know, even though these these rookie quarterbacks I think all have significant value, significant upside when you really, you know, take that step back and put them up against the veteran quarterbacks that we're, you know, we're familiar with, we're comfortable with. And that glossy sheen, that new car smell of the rookies kind of wears off. Now all of a sudden, you know, their 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 value starts to dip a little bit. You know, because we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen here. We don't know that Justin Fields is going to be a day one starter. You know, they brought in Andy Dalton and tweeted out that he's QB1. And, I mean, maybe they didn't believe that Justin Fields was going to be there available to them with a, you know, a move up in the first round. But, you know, the the fact remains, they brought in a very stable veteran quarterback, uninspiring, <laughs> I'll give you that, but stable, you know. And so now all of a sudden we're thinking, it might be a while before we see Justin Fields. I hope not. I hope he wins that job outright. I think that he probably will, if I'm being honest. But but there is that possibility that it doesn't happen. And, and all of these guys carry some of that risk. Even Trevor Lawrence isn't looking quite as strong as he was when we were just focused on the rookies. You know, now... Now, again, we take that step back, look at the long view of the quarterback position and include Trevor Lawrence in it, include Justin Fields in it, include Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, include all those guys in it. But, you know, you also have to start looking at, you have to get back to looking at the veterans. Trevor Lawrence still has a first round ADP. I think that'll probably continue throughout the the offseason, but he seems to be slipping further and further back in the first round. So, you know, it's it, it it's just it causes kind of some irrationality for us when we're looking at just the rookies and all we're talking about is the rookies. We kind of talk ourselves into giving them a little bit more value than what they should really have. So, is 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 as important as it is to talk about rookies. I'm personally thrilled to get back to talking startups, talking, you know, roster management, roster building, you know, and just just kind of the overall view of Superflex, the Superflex flywheel, quarterback extreme, all of that. I'm 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 a little I'm just a little bit glad to be done with the rookies. You know, I, I just think that they're a little bit of a trap for us. Uh, during you know the height of rookie season and I'm glad that we can that we're you know past that part of the calendar 
and we can start to talk a little bit more about, you know, if we, we get to talk about them more realistically. We get to compare them to veteran players. And we get to get back to just talking about the entire player pool, not just, you know, quite so razor focused on on one group of players. So anyways, good to be back. Uh, good to be um, back talking, you know, super flex startups, roster management. Good to good to be doing all that. And it's just good to be back on the microphone I, for for one thing in real life. This was my, it was my hell month <laughs> this past month. Every year, it's a struggle for me. Um, it's, a, it's a very difficult time of year. I won't bore you with the details. Just know that real life ends up, you know, just absolutely zapping my energy <laughs> and leaving me with nothing left for fantasy football a lot of times. Um, so it's nice to be past that as well. And, uh, it's nice to be back in the safety and the comfort of Superflex City with my super friends. You know, there's there's a it feels to me like like if you ask Twitter, I don't have a whole lot left to give in terms of fantasy advice, Superflex advice, dynasty advice, whatever. You know, I don't I don't have a whole lot left to give. In the in that you know in that regard, and I mean maybe it's because I'm not, you know I'm not firing off hot takes. I don't have a lot of hot takes. I don't know how useful those really are. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. And and if I find some that are going to be useful, you'll you'll know it. You'll hear them. You know, but I'm I'm not, maybe not as active on Twitter. Maybe that's part of it. Um, but just kind of in general, I think that there's a, it, it's, it's feeling a, like, like I said, like, uh, the belief is that I don't have a whole lot left to give. Um, which is fine because I know the truth. We know the truth, which is that the Superflex Super Show is alive and well. And it's because of all of you continuing to have the Superflex conversations with me you know, taking part in the conversation with me, doing the next level thinking, you know, we're not, we're not just out on Twitter, just, you know, just throwing out a bunch of brand stuff and, and, you know, just, just attention grabbers and clickbait. We're not doing that. We're having a serious discussion about high level theory when it comes to dynasty superflex. And we'll get to, you know, we'll do some redraft super flex as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, like this is a, this is an intellectual podcast. This is a strategic podcast. And, you know, that's not for everyone and that's fine. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the, the sentiments on Twitter definitely don't match the listenership to the super flex super show. And I cannot thank you enough for that for staying engaged and, and taking part in the discussion and, and continuing to show up and listen and, and enjoy. It means the absolute world to me that you keep me going. So with that being said, what I really wanted to do with this first solo episode back, 
it's been a while since I've done a solo episode. That's the other thing. I've had some great guests, a lot of fun conversations, more of those yet to come still, but I've also, I, I, I've always enjoyed the solo episodes. You know, I think that we can really kind of drill down on some stuff and it makes it, you know, it makes it a lot of fun. I think that we can, you know, we've really been able to kind of hone the the quarterback extreme strategy and the the super flex flywheel strategy. You know, we've been able to kind of hammer some stuff home as far as you know, it, the, like these are some principles that probably <laughs> this might be a little bit why I'm kind of persona non grata right at the moment on Twitter is the the fact that you know again there's there's no hot takes. And a big part of that is that, to me, this 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 is something that that drives a lot of people nuts. I like, I, I don't think that people enjoy the the you know this this thought this theory, but because it does take some of the fun out of fantasy football a little bit. It's fun to talk about individual players. The problem is, the or the reality is. With the right mix, with the right roster build, with the the super flex flywheel, it doesn't matter who the players are. You know, you can you can still go get your guy, but at the end of the day, the names on your roster won't matter. The way you're going to win games, the way you're going to win championships, is with the roster build. That's going to you know continue to to distribute the the both the product the production and the value throughout your roster. You know it's just going to store it, it's going to hold it, and it's going to put it wherever it needs to go. And it doesn't have to be specific players. Any mix of players can do it if we've got the right number of players at each position. You know, there's there's about 40 different wide receivers who can fit into this lineup properly. There's, you know, about, let, call it 15 running backs who fit as kind of an RB1 type. You know, there isn't, there isn't a silver bullet in any of these positions. The, the closest thing that we've got, well, there, there, there are two things, there are two positions that are somewhat close to silver bullet. Number one is at quarterback with Patrick Mahomes. You know, we've talked about that. He changes the numbers. He changes the math for quarterback extreme because he's the one guy that you don't take out of your lineup ever. Um, well, by weeks, injuries, then you can take him out. But otherwise, if, if he's healthy and active, you're putting him in your lineup, you know? Because he's going to be an above-average quarterback every single week. And then the other position, of course, is tight end. We, you know, we're, all, we're, we're all acutely aware of the fact that there's... I, you know, I don't think it's quite as, as extreme as people think. But, it, I'm, you know, people kind of talk about the top three. You know, the, the big three, it's Kelsey, Kittle, and Waller, Right. First of all, I don't know how long Waller's going to necessarily fit into that. But also, 
you know, I, I think that there are still guys out there who, who, who fit, you know, it might not be a year in year out thing the way it is with Kelsey and Kittle, but I mean, you know, we saw Robert Tanyan and Tanyan and, uh, Logan Thomas, you know, those guys had, had good, you know, top, top eight white or uh, tight end seasons, you know? Um, we're seeing the progression of TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. Those guys still belong in the conversation. At some point, Zach Ertz is out of Philadelphia, and Dallas Goddard owns that job by himself. Irv Smith is finally getting the opportunity in Minnesota. You know, so like they're they're guys. It's not it's it's not just those top two tight ends, but it's still it's a pretty short list so like there's there are some there's definitely kind of a haves and haves nots at the tight end position and Travis Kelsey in particular and to a slightly lesser extent George Kittle those guys are you know silver bullet tight ends but beyond that I mean like one one team in your league is going to have Travis Kelsey. The other one's going to ha- another one's going to have George Kittle. Everybody else is living the exact same life. They're taking shots with Hawkinson, they're taking shots with Logan Thomas. Somebody somebody overpaid for Kyle Pitts. Good luck with that. At least in year 1. I hate to say it, you know, I know that that it's blasphemous, but man, that is not that's not a good bet. <laughs> a rookie tight end. Not a good bet. But, you know, Austin Hooper is is another another great example. I mean, you know, second year in that system uh with with Cleveland. And again, it, it's, you know, a, the second year for Baker Mayfield in that system as well. Um, in a Stefanski system, kind of a West Coast type system, very, very heavy, very reliant on the tight end position, man, like that's a, that's, there's, there's a sleeper for you, Austin Hooper. (laughs) There's a, there's a, a, you know, a post hype, post breakout, post hype sleeper. (laughs) There's a, there's a lot to it. Um, but you know, that everybody's living that same life. Everybody's taking shots with, with guys like that, and you know Hunter, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, everybody's everybody's taking shots with guys like that. So does it really matter who you've got at tight end if you're you know you're taking the same shot that everybody else is? If you end up with Kelsey or you end up with Kittle, great. Again, that's a huge advantage. But everybody else that you're going to run into. It, they're still just throwing darts. So, you know, it kind of doesn't matter too much who you've got. We want to get somebody who's, you know, startable, obviously. Somebody who's who gives us some kind of weekly floor. But beyond that, yeah, who it, it, it doesn't really matter all that much who it is exactly. So, you know, the, the again, the roster mix, the roster blend, that's what matters. It's not the names on the roster. It's the numbers at each position. Are you chasing premiums? If you have a tight end premium, are you 
you know, getting tight ends in at your flex positions? Do you have the quarterbacks to make sure that you've got a quarterback at super flex at all times? And even better, you have the ability to stream quarterbacks within your roster? Do you have enough running backs that you can sustain some injuries and keep coming at at your opponents at at the rest of your league just with waves of running backs? That's all that matters. It doesn't matter who the names are. It's just that we have the right number of guys at each position. That's what the Superflex flywheel is all about. I, I Again, I know that it kind of takes the fun out of it for some people uh, because we, you know, we haven't been talking about specific names because it's not important. And we'll get into, we'll do more of that though. But we've been able to keep this conversation going. We've been able to, you know, continue to evolve our strategies and, and, you know, just keep this conversation moving forward. And, and it's very meaningful to me that that's what you're here for. You're here to talk strategy and get to next level stuff. Do that in intellectual, you know, that the, the critical and creative thinking when it comes to roster construction and management, you know, it'd be so easy for you to just go, you know, chase down those those tweets those takes that are just you know loaded with msg and covered in cheese dust you could do that pretty easily you know the ones that taste like insanity that you know you could be doing that but you keep coming back to the super flex super show for the substantive you know high level discussion that we're able to have together and you contribute to it you might not realize it, but every last one of you contributes to it. I get so many questions in DMs, and we have we end up having great conversations, you know, about QBX, about the Superflex flywheel, and you know, it, it makes for it, it helps it helps all of us be able to you know grow these strategies and tighten up these strategies even more. And figure out how to get to the roster constructions that we want. You know, how to manipulate value, how to manipulate production, how to use the flywheel. You know, and it's just it's it's so meaningful to me. This is this is what I wanted all along. I never cared about being, you know, the big big name on Twitter with all the, you know, tens of thousands of followers the blue check mark, you know, all of that stuff is just bonus. But what I really wanted was to find a group of people, and that's you. Find a group of people who like to talk, think and talk about fantasy football, dynasty football, and super flex at the highest level possible. Think about it critically strategically creatively and I've I, I feel like I've achieved that and I like I said I, I can't tell you how meaningful it is to me and so anyways longest intro ever officially here at uh about half an hour into this thing what I wanted to do because what ends up happening is I do get such a such amazing questions in the DM 
such amazing thoughts, not just questions. Sometimes it really is just kind of, hey, here's what I did. Take a look. You know, and and there's so many variations. This is why I say the names don't matter. Because I've seen a lot of variations of QBX and of the Superflex flywheel. And they all look just freaking unstoppable. <laughs> so many of you have done startups where you took these strategies in and just absolutely fell in love with the roster that you came out with. And we have great discussions in DMs. I wanted these discussions to spill over onto the podcast as much as possible. So I asked for, you know, just some listener questions, some, uh, uh, you know, I, I ask me anything. <laughs> I still feel like you guys are, might be missing some opportunities there. But, hey, you know, we're, this again, this is, this is what we're all here for, the high-level thought the high-level discussion on Superflex. And so that's what the questions ended up being. So thank you all for the amazing questions. I got some awesome ones. And uh, I want to get to as many of them as I can in this episode. Um, I probably won't get to all of them, but uh, I'm going to try my best. But (laughs) this first one, and, and this might take a little bit of time. So you know, bear with me on this. This is why I'm I'm a little nervous about getting to all these questions, but I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try and fire through these as fast as I can. This one is super important. I love this question from Jason Nasterita. He said, how would, you, how would you adjust your QBX and flywheel approach for a Dynasty Superflex best ball league? Hashtag super best ball. And then uh, Luis at Bueno Fantasy, he, he, uh, he followed up on that and said, was just about to ask this. I'm in a best ball rookie draft. I have Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert and wondering if I should, if I still should smash quarterback in the late first. So quarterbacks are falling uh, into the late first round of his rookie draft. Apparently he has Justin Herbert. He has Kyler Murray. Those guys should, you know, probably be rubber stamp starters most weeks. Although, you know, except for the fact that quarterback extreme, we don't, we, we generally don't do that, right? That's the whole point of quarterback extreme. Quarterback extreme starts with the idea and the flywheel itself, you know, um, because it's not just quarterback. It's mostly quarterback, (laughs) quarterback and running back. Those are the two positions that we want to we want to play matchups, we want to play opportunities, we want to play hot hands, and we want to get comfortable with benching, you know, quote unquote studs in bad matchups. And if you go back and listen to episode what was it, 186, 185, something like that, fun with numbers. Superflex Super Show episode 180 whatever, <laughs> fun with numbers. You know, we we really kind of went through that. We kind of proved that, you know, quarterbacks with with quarterbacks, you know, they're you're gonna get you have a high level, high baseline of scoring every single week as long as you have a quarterback at both, you know, the quarterback and super flex position. So that like that part alone tells you why we go quarterback extreme. Because if somebody gets hurt and somebody else is on by, you know, now all of a sudden we're down to three quarterbacks. 
if two players are on bye and one is hurt, we still have, you know, we still have two. So we've got one at quarterback and one at superflex. If you only have three quarterbacks, one of them's hurt, one of them's on bye, guess what? You're starting at superflex, not a quarterback. And there go and and your baseline scoring drops by a minimum of 10 points just by going from quarterback to, you know, running back or wide receiver. Quarterbacks score about 18 points a week. That was the weekly average for a starting quarterback in 2020. So, you know, if you can find a non-quarterback, and and again, you know, we've said this in the past many, many times, you start by filling your running back, your starting running back, starting wide receiver, starting tight end, then fill your flex spots, and you fill your super flex spot last. And if you have a non-quarterback after all that, who's going to score you 18 points, then feel free to put him at Superflex. I don't think you can find that. I don't think you're going to do that. That's like the perfect mix of players to get to that point. And, and you know, it, 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 it took the perfect mix of running backs to get 18-plus points from your two starting running backs plus, you know, your two flex spots plus your super flex spot. It's just so unlikely that you were going to do it. You know, so so we want a quarterback as super flex at all times. That's a big part of QBX. And that's true in both best ball and, you know, normal leagues where you're setting a lineup. So, you know, so that's, that's kind of just a, a, a kind of a general principle to it. But as far as, you know, the other, the other part of the big, the big, you know, the, the, the big strategy with quarterback extreme, which is streaming within the roster, you know, so there were times to like Russell Wilson ended up being a great example. Kyler Murray was actually a good example too, but you know, I'll just look at Russell Wilson for a minute because he had a bad matchup in week 15 against the Washington football team. They were, you know, like the third worst, uh, like the third best defense at stopping fantasy quarterbacks, something like that. I don't have it in front of me now. Um, I talked about it on that episode, fun with numbers, but, you know, so he, but he had a bad matchup and he played like it, you know, scored 13 points. (laughs) When again, we're looking for 18 minimum from our quarterbacks. And if we're going to stream quarterbacks within our roster, we're kind of expecting even more than that, right? We're looking for the guys with good matchups. So in that, you know, Mitchell Trubisky had a, had a great matchup that week. It was either Detroit or Jacksonville, something like that. But anyways, he, he had a great matchup and Russell Wilson had that bad matchup, you know? So if you had started, Mitchell Trubisky, he outscored Russell Wilson by something like 15 points. A difference of a starter, you know? So it kind of showed what streaming can do if you're comfortable with the idea of benching, you know, a a stud like Russell Wilson. That's the whole thing. Got to start with that. We got it. We have to get comfortable with that part first. 
But once we get there, man, everything opens up. The ceiling for your weekly scoring just shoots up. Because, again, we were willing to bench Russell Wilson. We missed out on his 13 points. And we got Mitchell Trubisky in there, you know, with his 25 points. 28 points, what you know, whatever it was. Difference of about 15 points, a difference of a starter. But then the following week, it was kind of the same thing. Russell Wilson actually had an even worse matchup against the L.A. Rams. They were the absolute worst matchup that you could run into for a fantasy quarterback. And then Mitchell Trubisky had another good matchup. And Mitchell Trubisky did well, but Russell Wilson outscored him. <laughs> we, we, you know, we wouldn't have seen that. And so it's kind of like, first of all, how do you, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you feel like you got that wrong? If you still got, you know, 20 points from Mitchell Trubisky, you know, in a, in that good matchup, but you benched, you benched Russell Wilson and you missed out on, you know, 22 points. Something like that, you know, call, just call it that. And this is all hypothetical. Like, I don't, I, again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm not going to put you through that as I try and look it up again. But, you know, it's, it was something like that. And so we'll just, but we'll just call it hypothetically. Hypothetically, Russell Wilson scored 22 points on your bench. Mitchell Trubisky scored 20 points as your starter. So what's your feeling on that? Did we get that wrong? The process was right. The results kind of weren't. It was a difference of two points, but it was still, that's not nothing, you know, two extra points. And that could have been the difference for you if, you know, some of your other positions didn't do well. Maybe those two points, that that was the difference in the game for you that week. So, you know, even even with quarterback extreme, even with sound process, we still get it wrong sometimes. You know, Kyler Murray ended up being the quarterback one overall in, you know, when he was playing, I think, San Francisco at the end of the season. He scored like 40 points. He went freaking nuts in a bad matchup that where we probably would have benched him. You know? So like they're varying degrees, but at the end of the day, like we can we still get it wrong sometimes when we have to set a lineup and even when we're just going on matchups. It's like you still you still have a high scoring baseline, but you still got it wrong. You know? And so to me, quarterback extreme is built for best ball. Is as great as it works, as much as it it's 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 kind of it's you know it, it it's kind of a a little bit of a hack, a little bit of a cheat code when you're setting lineups. The easy thing to do is to just you know just go off of matchups, or you know if you've got a you know if you've got a, an analyst that you trust their weekly rankings, you can do it that way too. But either way, you know, whatever whatever process you're using, 
you know, bench the the guy in a bad matchup or bench the guy that people are nervous about. Start the guy in a great matchup. Start the guy who's, you know, kind of a, a sleeper for the week, whatever it is, you know. And sometimes we're going to get it wrong. We're still going to do, I mean, it's still better than not having a decision to make. It's still better than our opponent who doesn't have enough quarterbacks to make a decision and just has to accept it even if they have two bad matchups or even just, you know, one bad matchup. They still have to start that player. So is it worse to be wrong? You know, to pick the wrong one of the four quarterbacks and still, you know, still get 25 points, but you missed out on 40 points? Is that is it worse to do that, or is it worse to just not even have the luxury of making a decision and getting stuck with a quarterback in a bad situation, a bad matchup, who gets only, you know, who gets 10 points? <laughs> you know, which which is worse? I know what which one I think is worse, but like the it, the bottom line at the end of the day, we still get it wrong. When best ball, you know, you don't have to figure out, you don't have to get it wrong ever. You know, the 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 lineup figures it out for you in retrospect. It takes the two quarterbacks of your five, who scored the most. You know, and and. You don't have to worry about matchups. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to figure, you don't have to figure that stuff out. You don't have to, you know, you you don't have to sit there and try and make a decision and, and talk yourself into benching Kyler Murray for Mitchell Trubisky. You don't have to do that part anymore. It does it for you, you know? So we never get it wrong. So yeah, QBX for me is absolutely meant for best ball. But the whole flywheel is as well. It, it works even better in best ball. I'm not a fan of best ball. I won a best ball league <laughs> this past year. And honestly, I did it because, you know, for a, a, a big part of it. I took over an orphan that uh, that had, I mean, didn't have any quarterbacks really. It was like Marcus Mariota and Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, so, you know... Going into it, I didn't have quarterbacks. We don't call them quarterbacks if they're not starters. So I didn't have quarterbacks, you know. I managed to trade for Aaron Rodgers because that's kind of what I do. <laughs> that's how I start pretty much every league. And then I, you know, uh, I traded into the 101. Or maybe maybe even, um, he maybe even earned 101. I don't remember, but I ended up with Kyler Murray as well. So I had Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers, and those two were just insanely consistent, especially in the fantasy playoffs. And then I had Stephon Diggs, who was very, very consistent as well, um, with his you know what it, tw- almost twenty five points a game average, and and he did it consistently, you know. So I ended up winning that championship. It wasn't QBX. Certainly not the flywheel. I'm still working on it. I'm getting closer. But, like, I won that championship, but I'm just not a fan of best ball. It takes away – best ball takes away two of my personal – what I believe to be superpowers in fantasy football. 
And, you know, the, the first one is working the waivers. Um, on the Superflex Super Show here in season, I've been doing a segment um, with, you know, with various co-hosts over the years. We've been doing this together, but called Next Week This Week. For those who aren't familiar, basically what we're doing is we're trying to find the player who's going to be, or at least could be, you know, a, a, a huge waiver priority for a lot of people a week from now. You know, going into the waiver run for that week, we look ahead to the following week and say, you know, that guy, you know, has, has a chance here to be the high waiver priority. And a lot of times it's running backs. Sometimes we can kind of see it coming with quarterbacks. Like one of the guys uh, it, this past season for me was Case Keenum. Um, just because, you know, Baker Mayfield started off playing very, very poorly. <laughs> and, and not poorly, just just pedestrian, you know, very mediocre. And I was like, man, if, if this starts costing the, the Cleveland Browns wins, I could see them benching Baker, going to Case Keenum, and then moving on in the offseason. And so started saying, all right, let's start picking up Case Keenum now before Baker Mayfield gets benched and Case Keenum becomes a starter. Let's start making that move now when we can get him for free, or at least very cheap. Because if we wait until Baker actually gets benched and Case Keenum becomes a starter, then all of a sudden we have to blow our entire fab to get Case Keenum. So let's do it while he's free. So, you know, next week, this week ended up being this very useful segment that we've been doing for several years now. And it really just kind of got me, you know, more in tune with, you know, with with waiver moves, waiver priorities and and, um, working the wire. You know, so I, I feel like I'm pretty good at that in season. And I feel like I'm pretty good at setting lineups, you know. Like I don't, I I don't want that to come across as like, as as bragging or anything because I you know I'm not great at it by any means, and a big part of it is, you know where where I think I'm good. It's 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 all about your tolerance, your risk tolerance, you know, your comfort level with, again, you know, back to the the flywheel. The only way it works, or back to quarterback extreme specifically, the only way it works is, are you willing to bench Russell Wilson for Mitchell Trubisky? You know, if you're willing to do that, then I think that, you know, my my lineup setting can be, uh, you know, can can be somewhat useful. Um, I don't, I don't put it out there a whole lot, you know, in season. Like, I, I, I know the deal, you know. Everybody's got kind of a, a fantasy analyst that they that they particularly trust, someone who's been very accurate, you know, or has made some great calls for them at some point in the past, and so you just kind of stick with them, and you just kind of gravitate back to that analyst in season. Everyone does it. I do it. You know, I know Matthew Barry is a, is a big one for a lot of people. 
Um, JJ Zacharyson and Paul Charchian are the two that I've always trusted a lot. Uh, Scott Fish. Scott, Scott Fish. Uh, so he goes on Fantasy Football Weekly with Paul Charchian. You know, people know him for the, you know, as a commissioner, knows him for the, you know, creating the Scott Fish Bowl, running the Scott Fish Bowl, things like that, being just one of the, you know, nicest dudes on earth. But if, if, people aren't listening to fantasy football weekly they're missing out on the fact that scott fish as an analyst is also deadly freaking accurate at least he has been you know like it's he's 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 been incredibly accurate many many times and uh when he talks i listen in season you know so like but we all have those those analysts that we kind of look to for start sit and you're not really looking for, you know, for other people to, to jump in and start throwing in their opinions necessarily. And that's okay. It, it totally is, you know? Um, but that's part of why I don't really get into weekly rankings a whole lot. I don't get into projections. I certainly don't, you know, post them anywhere publicly. I use them for myself, but, um, you know, I, I just, I, I feel like it's not really worth the time <laughs> to, to put together weekly rankings when, you know, you can just as easily go look at JJ's or look at Charch's or look at Matthew Berry's and, um, you know, get, get good advice that you're going to feel comfortable with. So, um, but anyways, I, but I do feel like I'm good at setting lineups. And with best ball, I don't have the opportunity to do that. I don't have that advantage over people, you know, while, where we're setting lineups. I like it when my opponent likes to start his, start their studs, set it and forget it. <laughs> because I hate that shit, you know? <laughs> you know that. I, I, I think that those are some of the most annoying you know little mantras that people that this community has i don't like it i think that it's a a huge mistake to set it and forget it i think it's a huge mistake to anoint studs and refuse to take them out of your lineup it's it's stubborn and it's irrational honestly you know every single week it should be every single position should be up for grabs unless you have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. <laughs> but but anyways, so yeah, I don't I don't really like best ball leagues all that much. But man, the flywheel and QBX both work even better in best ball than they do in just normal leagues where you're setting a lineup. In all honesty, you know, you look at the rest of the positions and it's kind of the same thing. You know, the the wide receiver position. Let's talk about wide receivers for just a minute. I'm not going to get way into this. There's another fun with numbers coming up where I'm going to just focus in on the wide receivers and tell you why I go so minimalist. And by the way, there's kind of a little bit of an evolution of QBX that I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out how to make it work exactly. I tweeted about this the other night, and um, 
I, you know, I, I've been trying to figure out how to do it in startups or in mock drafts, startup mock drafts anyways. And I don't know that it's going to necessarily work to draft into this. I think you want to trade into it, but it's, you can do it because wide receivers are so cheap, but the goal is going to be, you know, if we're, if we've got five quarterbacks, let's go for five wide receivers instead of four. Even if you start two of them, let's get five of them. Let's get the top wide receiver, the top pass catcher for each of our five quarterbacks and play matchups with them as well. Just stack the quarterback and the wide receiver because if you believe that the quarterback has a great matchup that he's going to be able to exploit, then why wouldn't his wide receiver as well? And again, let's take advantage of the fact that those wide receivers are so cheap, so easy to trade for. You can pretty easily go from, you know, if you've got A.J. Brown but you don't have Ryan Tannehill, you've got Kirk Cousins instead. A.J. Brown for Justin Jefferson? Who says no? Maybe you have to add a little bit. I doubt it. I doubt it. You know, in all reality, you should probably be getting Justin Jefferson plus a little bit, but we don't have to because, you know, there's more value in it for us to get Justin Jefferson on that roster, pair him with Kirk Cousins, and every time we're going to start Kirk Cousins because his matchup is, is you know, primo, we're also going to start Justin Jefferson. We've, but we've got Dak Prescott, let's, you know, let's go get CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper. We got Joe Burrow. Let's go get Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. You know, and, and just go through it like that. Matt Ryan, let's go get Calvin Ridley. Just kind of move laterally at wide receiver and go get the guy who, you know, who's going to benefit the most from those big startable weeks from the quarterbacks that we've got. So, anyways, that's a, that's a totally different episode. Wide receivers totally different episode. I think I'm just going to ask you to take my word for it on wide receivers, but essentially the the kind of the bottom line is there is like what's the situation where you're ever going to bench, you know, when are you <laughs> let me put it this way, when are you ever going to start Quintez Cephas? <laughs> I see so many rosters with all this wide receiver depth. Quintez Cephas is one of the guys that's that's so prominent on those rosters. Everybody's got Quintez Cephas somehow. Like how how is it that he's just he's on every single dynasty roster in the world? Is there twelve different Quintez Cephases in the world? Like, Devin DuVernay ends up on a lot of rosters. I actually kind of like Devin DuVernay, by the way. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, he's on he's on a lot of rosters. And then you'll look at these rosters and you see, you know, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson, you know, Jerry Judy. You're already four deep at wide receiver. When are you going to get Quintez Cephas into your lineup, ever? Like, let's start with that. Let's start with the bottom of our depth chart and just go through and cut each one of those guys. If you've got Michael Thomas and Mike Evans, when are you ever 
going to start Corey Davis, you know? Like, how good does Corey Davis have to be? And what's the probability that he's going to be that good? Christian Kirk, when's Christian Kirk ever going to start for you with the wide receivers that you already have? You know? So start with that. Like, And, and I think that you're going to just chop it down to you know, five or six wide receivers just by doing that. Well, now let's talk for a second about, again, that same group of, of wide receivers. You've got Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Jerry Judy, you know. And maybe that's the, that, that might even be a bad example because Jerry Judy does have a path <laughs> with, those, with those guys. So let's make it a little bit, let's make this a little bit tougher. You've got A.J. Brown and you've got Justin Jefferson and you've got Jerry Judy. That's, that's the wide receiver group that you ended up with. What, how does Jerry Judy ever get into your lineup at that point? I know you can put him at flex. To me, wide receiver is the last position that you want at flex. You know, I, first of all, let's chase premiums. If you've got tight end premium, I'd much rather have tight ends there. But either way, the next priority, at least for me, would be the running backs. They have a much, they have a a much higher floor. If you've got a running back who's, you know, who's, who's, you know, in a starting role, like, you know, you got Damian Harris late. And then we find out that he's just the that he's he's the bell cow for the Patriots. Sony Michelle doesn't even factor. You know? James White barely factors. Damian Harris is the freaking bell cow. But we have our two stud running backs already, you know. We've got Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler at running back. Damian Harris, to me, belongs at a flex spot well before Jerry Judy does. You know, so anyways, like that's that's kind of where we're going with wide receiver. It's like, how hard is it going to be to get this guy into my lineup? What's his path into my lineup? And if there isn't much of one, I mean, you know, other than bye weeks, then why even roster him? If he doesn't have a path into your lineup, why do why are we wasting the roster space on him? And to me, you can cover two wide receiver spots, even through bye weeks. You can you can cover it with four wide receivers. Like that's the maximum. Four wide receivers have a path into your lineup. The fifth one does not. <laughs> and everything beyond does not. So you know, let's let's clear the roster space, make room for running backs. That's how the flywheel works, right? That's what a flywheel is. It stores all the power. It collects all the power from all the components, stores it, and then distributes it wherever it's needed. Well, the power of wide receivers is their efficiency, the efficiency of the position as a whole. The fact that, you know, there's you can get any number of, there's about 40 guys, and you can get any any two of them 
and you know who are gonna they'll they'll average six targets a game, and they'll average you know somewhere in the neighborhood of twelve to eighteen points a game every single week. So that's the one position where we kind of set it and forget it. Honestly, I think you kind of do it at tight end as well, um, but you know especially a wide receiver. That's the kind of the one position where, you know, playing matchups doesn't really do anything. Doesn't really benefit you all that much. Unless you're going to do it in conjunction with a quarterback. But again, that's a totally different episode. <laughs> but the, you know, the way that these positions store the power, whether we're talking about value or we're talking about production. You know, the wide receivers their their contribution to the flywheel is that we can just get two wide receivers, plug them into our starting lineup, and just not even worry about the position anymore. Get two more backup, two more wide receivers as backups, you know, just to make sure that we've got, you know, what we need for bye weeks, maybe the occasional injury. And those guys are flex considerations, of course. But I, you know, ideally they're not getting into our flex, our flex positions. Whoa, tongue tie. Um, yeah, ideally they're not getting into our flex positions. Ideally we're chasing premiums and we're going with, you know, running backs with higher floors. So, you know, the, the, their contra, the wide receiver's contribution to the flywheel is their efficiency, and what's being distributed, you know, throughout the rest of this machine that is our roster, is roster space that can be taken up by running backs. Running backs, their contribution to the flywheel is, you know, where they're, where they're putting in power is, again, you know, once they get to that starting role, once they become a starter, what, even if it's a backup, Jamal Williams. If DeAndre Swift gets hurt, Jamal Williams all of a sudden becomes a top 12 running back every single week. Must start rubber stamp starter. Got to get him in at flex. Even if you have two studs already at running back, you still got to, you have to get Jamal Williams in at flex. You know, so we need a bunch of those guys because running backs do get hurt and they get benched. A lot of there are a lot of different paths for any running back. Name a running back. There's a path for him into your starting lineup. That's not the case at wide receiver, but that's the case, absolutely the case at running back. With your very last pick of a super flex startup, you're still gonna get a running back who's going to have a path into your lineup. So we want a bunch of them. And the other problem is, you know, so Jamal Williams, back to that example, DeAndre Swift gets hurt, he's out three weeks. For those three weeks, Jamal Williams is a must-start for you, right? But then DeAndre Swift comes back, Jamal Williams back to your bench. But there's another running back out there. There's always another running back out there with kind of the same type of situation, you know, so 
uh, Gus Edwards, maybe. Um, Wayne Gallman. Uh, okay, how about Devontae Booker behind Saquon Barkley now? The number two running back behind Saquon Barkley. Or Kenyon Drake behind Josh Jacobs. Those are both guys, you know. So DeAndre Swift got hurt in week three. He was out until week six. Or week seven. Jamal Williams was a must start for those three weeks. And then in week seven, DeAndre Swift is back. But Saquon Barkley got hurt in week six. Now Devontae Booker becomes a must start for you. You know, so we just want a collection of those running backs because they come in waves. They're always just kind of churning. They're always cycling through. There's always different names, but there's always some names. There's always some guys. You know, so so we just want a bunch of them so that we can cast a wide net at the running back position and we can catch a bunch of those guys, and we're always going to have somebody who's going to be a flex consideration for us. And a lot of times we're going to have more than one. A lot of times we're going to be able to fill our flex positions with running backs if we don't have a tight end premium. If we do have a tight end premium, I mean, you know, those flex positions are probably taken up by tight ends. But anyways, back to the flywheel. You know, the running backs, what they take from the flywheel way they what they have to take away from the flywheel is a lot of roster space we need a lot of them excuse me because they don't they're not constant it's ever-changing it's a revolving door at running back so you know it takes a lot of the power away from the flywheel that the running back position is so unstable you know, and so free-flowing. But what they put in is a high-scoring floor must-start status when they do get to that role, when they do become, you know, must-start guys, when they do become the starter, the feature back, the bell cow back. And then the quarterbacks, of course, you know, they what they take away from the, the flywheel is first round or early round draft capital. We have to start early on quarterbacks because you know that's the only way to get to the five of them that we want. But what they put in is significant trade value, the ability to trade them a, a quarterback for a non-quarterback and get a huge value bump, a huge upgrade at that non-quarterback position because of positional scarcity of the quarterbacks and then also the ability to you know to package a quarterback take a downgrade at the quarterback position for an upgrade at another position you know so they they have that significant trade value they also have just the significant weekly scoring again you know the average of 18 points 18 points a week you know it's it's a significant scoring advantage that they give you that's what they put into the flywheel and again all of this just gets kind of stored in your roster and distributed wherever it needs to go and kind of what we're talking about there you know as far as production goes for instance 
You know, the fact that you're streaming quarterbacks within your roster can mean, you know, if you get it right, if you, you know, at least get it somewhat right by playing matchups at quarterback in Superflex, you know, it's a difference of, of about, you know, 10 points from each of them. You know, your, your QB1 scores at least 10 points more than my QB1. Your Superflex quarterback scores at least 10 points more than my Superflex quarterback. And it can be a much, much bigger advantage than that even. But, you know, just kind of just ballpark. It, it starts at about 10 points per position. Now, you know, you got that extra 20 points. If your running backs, you know, don't do anything you're still going to be fine because the quarterbacks gave you that 20 point cushion, you know? So yeah, the, the, the flywheel is, uh, it's, it's a complex one (laughs) for sure, but man, is it important? And I, and again, I think that it works even better in best ball because, you know, the wide receivers become, you know, even less important as far as having the wide receiver depth, because we're always going to get it right between those four, those <laughs> keep almost calling them quarterbacks, wide receivers. Between those four wide receivers, we're always going to get that right. We're going to get those, you know, those two starters right. Maybe even one of those guys can sneak into the onto our uh, into our flex spots if needed. You know, if if we don't have, you know, between our 17 running backs, we can't come up with a, you know, a, a third double-digit score or a fourth double-digit score, then, you know, then a wide receiver sneaks in at flex. But more than anything, they're just going to consistently give us the same scoring every single week. And all we need is four wide receivers to do that, to maintain our, our baseline scoring every single week. You know, we, we don't have to get it right at these positions. We don't have to find the running backs who are going to, you know, just randomly have that monster game, who are going to fall into the end zone, you know, three times for no reason. You know, we don't have to find that. We don't have to find the tight end who scores a touchdown. You know, they're already on our roster. And it's just a matter of having the right mix. But we're going to get that right every single week without trying to, you know, without trying to set the lineup. So, so yeah, to me, like, long story short, yeah, like quarterback extreme in the super flex flywheel, it works even better in best ball is kind of the bottom line because we don't have to get the lineup right. So, but thank you for that question, Jason and, and Luis as well, because, man, that's an important thing. Um, it's uh, it's a and it was a it was a really great question that led to um, way way more over explaining than I intended to do. Um, I'm gonna try and uh, get through some of these questions a little bit faster. But Daniel uh, at Danimal AF, uh, my friend Daniel asked about uh, what kind of cool league ideas are you a fan of, participate in, never tried but want to, things like that. Um, This stems from uh, a conversation we were having about uh, vampire leagues. Because the Superflex Super Show 
listener league is a vampire league six divisions with some of my favorite podcast brethren uh running vampires in in each of the divisions just a quick overview if you aren't familiar basically the vampire does not draft uh in a startup and we we added one little wrinkle to that which is that uh since it's a super flex league uh, when the 12th quarterback or 13th, I don't remember which, but one, uh, when, uh, 11th, 12th or 13th, anyways, <laughs> let's, we'll just call it the 12th. The 12th quarterback goes off the board in the startup. Everything stops. Vampire jumps in, picks a quarterback, any quarterback that they want, who's still available. And then we pick up the draft right where it was. The vampire doesn't make any more picks in the startup, builds their team off of waivers afterwards, doesn't get rookie picks, but can steal a player or a rookie pick every time they win a game. And they just get stronger and stronger as they go until finally a vampire wins the league and ends the league. And, uh, you know, then we'll start over, but... Um, it's a it's a really fun league. I like it a lot. Um, Danimal wanted to uh, he wanted to try it. He wanted to get a, a vampire league together with his friends, um, and he 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 added some very interesting wrinkles to it as well. Um, I won't I won't get into the nuts and bolts too much of of any of that. I'll just get to the question because I mean I like the vampire league a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's an interesting concept. Um, I'll be honest, I, I think that a flaw for it, a flaw with the Vampire League is, you know, it's really just kind of an 11-team league for everybody else. You play the Vampire once, and, you know, there's things are a little bit different for you that week. You're trying not to lose, not to get one of your players stolen. You know, but beyond that, it's just a normal 11-team league. Like, where it's really interesting, the league itself as a concept is really interesting is just to the vampire. And there's one vampire, you know. So, it's... I I I don't love how, you know, it's kind of for the enjoyment of one person. <laughs> or one podcast in this case, but... You know, I, I, I don't love that part, but I do think it's a very fun league. Um, and, you know, the fact that it, for us, it's a six-division, 72-team league, you know, massive playoffs that start in week 12. Um, you know, there's there's just this huge, um, you know, play-in week with all play and then a, a bracket where you pick your own opponent and you know, just this massive bracket that everybody works their way through. Like, I, all of that stuff, I think, is really cool. A lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I do think that there's that flaw in vampires, vampire leagues, which is just, it's, you know, the the real enjoyment. It's really geared towards one person, and the other 11 are just kind of, it's a fairly normal league. What? How I'll answer this question, though, I mean, you know, leagues that... So Russ Fisher, Dynasty Outhouse, he's starting a Harry Potter league. I'm not in it. I've never watched Harry Potter. That's part of the problem. <laughs> like, I've never watched any of the movies, so I don't know much about the various houses. 
So, you know, that one isn't totally, it's not really for me, but I love the concept. I love, because the very, the different houses compete each week. And if you win, you know, you, I assume that you play a team from another house. Hufflepuff plays against, uh, why is that the only name that I know? That's, that's freaking weird. Um, Voldemort, is that a house? Or is that just a guy? <laughs> this is this this is gonna get really boring really fast if I'm gonna sit here and try and figure out Harry Potter without having any frame of reference. So let's just move on and just say <clears throat> excuse me. Let's just say that uh two you know, one a, a team from each house plays each other, and if you win, you get points for your house. I freaking love that part of it. I like anything where it's cooperative between multiple teams. Uh, Russ and I do a podcast on Superflex City. It's called The Commissioner's Office. Uh, And, I mean, we've really kind of been talking about just building a simple dynasty startup and kind of the, you know, the nuts and bolts, the logistics of putting together a league, writing the bylaws, you know, coming up with the settings Things like that, and we call it the sweet spot, you know, the, the is kind of what we're going for, just kind of the middle ground on, you know, you know, number of teams, number of roster spots, number of starters, things like that. And uh, But we've talked about a lot of different league concepts that just kind of sneaks into the conversation sometimes. And uh, for me, what I've kind of found is I really like the ones where there's some cooperation among various teams you know so so yeah I really like the one uh, I really like the Harry Potter idea Um, I'd like it to be something that I actually know something about (laughs) but I think it's a cool idea Um, you know I there's uh, Paul Charchian created guillotine leagues um, and uh, I've seen them kind of turned into dynasty leagues um you know, not not full dynasty, obviously, but you know, three three year dynasty leagues, um, and I think that that's pretty cool. Um, as far as redraft leagues, I kind of combined this past year a, a thievery league, which is simply if you beat a team, you get to steal a player from them. Um, vampire, so there was a vampire in there as well, and it ended up being all play. Um, by the way, and then uh, it converted into a guillotine league. So the first half of the season, we, uh, you know, there was a vampire and there were there was thievery. So again, like I said, it was all play. If you, you know, the the top scorer for the week gets to steal a player from any of the player uh, any of the teams that they outscored. Um, you can only be stolen from once, but any player from those teams. Uh, the vampire got to steal from any team that he outscored. Um, and, uh, man, I ended up nerfing it a little too much for the vampire. I'm going to have to adjust that part of it. But it was kind of cool, you know, just kind of the shuffling around of the uh, of the rosters through the first half of the season. And then we just went into a, a guillotine league for the second half of the season. And... Uh, um, basically the lowest scoring team each week would get cut. You stop doing the thievery, stop doing the, the vamping and you just go straight guillotine. 
so that was kind of interesting that was that was a lot of fun um i've heard some cool ones on the commission impossible podcast um you know uh pirate leagues and uh um which is similar um there's there's some some stuff that's similar to uh uh vampire and thievery um kind of stealing players but you can also make make players walk the plank um stuff like that i think you know things like that i think are uh are you know any anything that where there's just kind of some extra gimmicks to keep people engaged and keep people involved and then again the cooperation part of it anytime you can come up with something where there's cooperation um you know between and like legal collusion <laughs> get some of that too like anytime you can do that uh i you know i'm i'm all for it those are some of my favorites and uh so thank you again daniel for that question i love that um and i man i'm i might reserve the right to come up with some more answers to that one later on um and then gizmo roper sent me man he sent me a bunch of them and i'm kind of thinking i might use some of these for a future episode um, when I can put in a little bit more research. But he asked, you know, year two wide receiver breakouts, to like most of them. <laughs> like there are some of them that I don't particularly believe in. But what, here's what I'm going to tell you. There's, a, there's an epidemic in this community of giving up on wide receivers after year one. There's a lot of talk. I, like I keep hearing about face planting. I don't know where that came from. I don't know like where the concept of like this wide receiver face planted. You know, I don't I don't know what that's about, but man, like that is uh, it, it, it to me it's really bad, really lazy process. I know that like analytically I know that, you know, in terms of of like historical trends i know that this ends up working out a lot but like we're we're not even considering the context again we're back to that back to my my whole issue with analytics the fact that there's context there that we're just not even going to consider we're not even going to look at so jerry judy is being called a face plant he face planted as a rookie Forget about the fact that he had the lowest, uh, he had the the most uncatchable passes thrown to him in the entire league because Drew quarter Drew Locke is a bad quarterback. You know, forget about that. Forget about the fact that you know he's he he was as a rookie working against the top coverage on every single defense that he faced because Cortland Sutton was out for the season. Forget about all that. All that matters is he underperformed. He had a lot of drops. So he's a face plant. Forget about him. Just just bury him. He's done. Jalen Rager, same thing. Bad quarterback play, but he also dealt with injuries all season. But he's a face plant because he didn't play well as a rookie. So, you know, just write him off. If it wasn't Justin Jefferson and it wasn't C.D. Lamb, we're done with them because they just didn't do well enough as as rookies, you know. So <laughs> it's 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 a it's a pretty frustrating thing to me because there's a lot of missing context with a lot of these players, 
if we're being honest, you know. Um, <clears throat> but as far as ones that I personally like, I mean, Jerry Judy, absolutely, I think, is a year two breakout candidate. I still think Jalen Rager could be one of those guys. I think I'm I'm not quite as excited about uh, Michael Pittman as a lot of people are. But, you know, I think it's it's certainly possible with him. Um, I, st- I like LaVisca Chenault. I like Brian Edwards. I think those guys are breakout candidates. I mentioned Devin DuVernay earlier. He's on a lot of people's dynasty rosters. He's just, <laughs> you know, just kind of super easy to acquire and just kind of ends up on every one of those rosters, him and Quintez Cephas. But Devin DuVernay, I actually do think, has a chance to be a year two breakout, you know. Um, there's a, uh, yeah, a lot of those guys. Um, man, no one else is really coming to me off the top of my head right at the moment. Um, if I come up with more, I'll put them on a future episode. But, I mean, honestly, like, any second-year wide receiver, like, unless they were on the field and legitimately just not able to do, you know, anything of any type of value with, you know, even even with good quarterback play and, and you know, high, high volume, high, you know, target share, things like that. Like, if, I mean, if they're legitimately just dropping the ball, which most – NFL wide receivers just don't do like that doesn't happen a lot where they just have the ball hit them right in the hands and they just drop it. That's not going to happen a lot. So, you know, we we keep acting like these guys just kind of forgot how to play football. And, and I don't think that's the case. I think that every single one of these year two wide receivers is a breakout candidate. I just think that some are more likely than others. So, you know, I think that they're all great targets towards the end of uh, towards the end of your draft. Though Van Jefferson is another one that I think I, I kind of put him in the Michael Pittman category, where it's like, yeah, you know, the, those guys definitely have a chance to break out. I'm just not quite as as bullish on them as some of the others. Um, Denzel Mims, Denzel Mims is one of my favorites. Uh, man, like just getting Adam Gase out of there, we know, we know what that does, you know, plus, you know, now you've got, you've got Zach Wilson, um, a total regime change and, you know, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. I, I, I think that even though you see some of the targets funneled to those guys and Jamison Crowder's still there, he's a little bit of a target hog, but you know. Some, some of the targets get funneled to those guys, but the other thing that gets funneled to those guys is tough coverage, kind of opening things up for Denzel Mims. So, yeah, Denzel Mims is one of my favorites. Jerry Judy, I think, is just a slam dunk for a year two breakout. I don't know how he misses, and that's with – that's even if you still have Drew Locke at quarterback. I just think – you know, Jerry Judy was beating the top coverage. Like I said, he was he was beating the top coverage every single week. 
He was facing the top coverage, and he was beating him. He was creating separation. And now he gets secondary coverage. <laughs> the top coverage shifts back to Cortland Sutton. At least for a while. So, yeah, Jerry Judy is a slam dunk. Um, Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards, those are probably my two favorites. Devin DuVernay, there's a deep sleeper for you. So, um, But, yeah, we might have to talk even more about that one. Running backs have finished outside tw- the top 24 that could be top 15. Um, like I said, I mean, you know, the, so the the theory has just been that we don't need to talk names a whole lot. We just need the roster construction. But, like, we need to get into the names a little bit, I think. And I think that there's some these are some very important, very useful questions, you know. Um, Austin Eckler's the obvious one, <laughs> you know, running back 28 because of the missed time with the injury. Easy top 15. All he has to do is stay healthy, and he's easy top 15. And he doesn't even have to stay super healthy, <laughs> you know. Play more than nine games. He's uh, he's going to be top 15 pretty easily. I think Miles Gaskin is there. J.K. Dobbins is there. Uh, Latavius Murray. So part of this thing is, is going to be, um, you know, Latavius Murray, um, who is Tony Pollard. So the big thing with some of these guys is they're behind some running backs. Alexander Madison, there's another guy for you. Um, these guys are behind, you know, older running backs that, you know, like kind of the most likely scenario. Um, I don't like to predict injuries, but we're just kind of getting into a range now where they've had enough usage that it's going to start to catch up with them. They're going to start to deal with injuries. So it, maybe not even the most likely scenario, just in terms of probability. Like if you ask me which running backs are likely to miss some time due to injuries, it's, you know, it's the guys who have had a bunch of usage, the guys in year five, year six. So, you know, Kamara, Cook, Mixon, eh, not really Mixon so much. He's he's missed enough time. He's <laughs> They've been keeping him pretty, pretty fresh. Um, you know, but, but yeah, Kamara, Cook, uh, Zeke Elliott, obviously, Derrick Henry. So the guys behind them. I think are you know they're they're going to be some of the guys that have the clearest path uh, into a lineup. Um, Damian Harris, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Joe Mixon, like those. Joe Mixon to me is another slam dunk for top fifteen. He only played six games. He averaged sixteen point six points per game in PPR. Like, man, again, give me. You give me nine games even, and he jumps from, you know, running back 47 easily into the top top 15, um, or eh, top 24. But, you know, if we get enough games out of Joe Mixon, top 15 is kind of the floor. Uh, Damian Harris, like I said, um, kind of mentioned him earlier, but... You know, that could be a guy in in line for a huge feature back type of role. So, um, yeah, we'll have to get to even deeper sleepers. We just need to start talking names a little bit more. 
but um, we'll do that throughout the off season. Um, targets on strength of schedule early versus strength of schedule late. Um, I want to save that for a future episode as well. Um, and just kind of dedicate the entire thing to strength of schedule. Um, and again, you know, with running backs, let's let like let's let's come up with a strategy at running back where we're coming in waves at people with our running backs. You know, we'll we'll get to that point too. So let, yeah, let's make this an entire episode. Um, everyone loves Kyle Pitts, but who can break into the top five tight ends um, like Hunter Bryant? <laughs> so that's uh that's Gizmo Roper's last question. I love that one. Um Hunter Bryant is uh is a kind of a tough one. Uh, like it's it's they don't have pass catchers, do they? <laughs> they don't I mean not real ones, you know. We're looking at Brashad Perriman, Amon St. Rob or Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, there we go. Um guys like that tj hawkinson obviously but i mean they could run a lot of two two tight end sets i could see that with hunter bryant i think i i I think that uh tight you know top five is a bridge too far um but i like the call as uh is a guy who could you know easily kind of sneak into that into that range with you know everything below top five, basically. <laughs> that's kind of, that's, it's kind of top five tight ends and then everybody else, essentially. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of the, the nature of the position. I don't know that there's a whole lot of room for turnover in the top five. I mean, Robert Tunyon and Logan Thomas were top five tight ends. Mark Andrews just missed it. You know, I think, uh, you know, Noah Fant was, uh, top 12. Um, both of those guys could sneak in and could replace uh, Tunyon and Logan Thomas. Um, George Kittle was not a top five tight end, so you know I think he makes it back in. So I think we might need to expand that just a little bit further, Gizmo, maybe to you know top eight. Um, I think that there's room for for you know a couple tiers in the top eight before you drop off to just kind of everybody else. You know so. Um, Hunter Bryant, I still think that that might be a little too much to ask with a healthy TJ Hawkinson. Um, Harrison Bryant, his are they brothers? They must be brothers. But, you know, those are Harrison Bryant, because I talked about Austin Hooper. I think that he kind of makes a, takes a step here in his second year in Cleveland. But if not, Harrison Bryant, I think absolutely could, uh, could be the beneficiary of that of that system just you know just as easily as Austin Hooper um I and you know kind of the same by the same token Hayden Hurst um yeah people hate that one because of Kyle Pitts but you know again year two in the system that's that's a big thing people don't understand how hard it is to learn a new system for tight ends and that's part of why I'm fading Kyle Pitts as a rookie. There's a lot to it. You know, you're you're kind of learning both offensive line and, you know, route running and <clears throat> you know, all the terminology, all the protections, all the shifts, like there's there's a lot <laughs> to consume for a tight end. 
it's no wonder that we don't see very many rookie breakouts at the tight end position. So, um, yeah, I think Hayden Hurst actually uh, has a chance as the, uh, you know, the, the, the top guy in Atlanta while Kyle Pitts kind of learns the, learns the system, learns the ropes. Um, I mentioned Irv Smith. I think he's a, he's in a good, uh, situation. Dallas Goddard, like those are, those are guys who could take huge jumps. Gerald Everett with Seattle, man, like I love Will Disley. He's kind of one of my all time favorite, just kind of streamer tight end, um, you know, sleeper type of guys, but Gerald Everett just kind of fits with that offense a little bit better. Just kind of that freak athlete. He's like, you know, the DK Metcalf at, at the tight end position, you know, big, fast, huge catch radius. Yeah. There's, there's, I don't know. That's, it's, a it, it, it's kind of contradictory to what I've been saying here with, you know, with, you know, tight ends changing, uh, changing jobs, changing, uh, changing teams, changing systems. But man, Gerald Everett is a nice fit for Seattle. So I kind of like that one a lot. Um, Cole Komet is, you know, kind of the darling of, of Twitter. Um, and that seems fairly safe. Uh, but I guess that one kind of goes without saying, um, one I like a lot better though, uh, a, a little bit more under the radar is Donald Parham and then uh, Foster Moreau as well. Foster Moreau has been really pretty involved in his first two years in Vegas. Um, we've seen the way they target the tight end position. Darren Waller's, what, 29 years old? You know, it's it it, it could be... It could be time for a passing of the cho- of the torch before too long. So, yeah, th- there's a handful of guys. Um, and that's one that, again, we could definitely spend some more time on it uh, throughout this offseason. We can start to get more into actual names. I think that that's something that we should do. I really like the question about strength of schedule. Gizmo. Um, I like it so much that I'm not going to answer it right now. I want to save that and give it its own episode. So, um, so, you know, not just, just so you know, it's not that I didn't like that question. It's kind of on the contrary. I think that one, like I said, deserves its own episode altogether. I think that there's some strategy there that we could put together, uh, looking at strength of schedule, particularly at the running back position, probably a little bit of the quarterback position as well. I don't think that we want to worry about it at wide receiver. I don't think the strength of schedule does a whole lot. Um, I don't have statistical backup for that, but I'm going to, I'm going to look into it. I'm curious if that's true. Um, but that's my guess is that strength of schedule for wide receiver doesn't mean nearly as much as it does for running backs and quarterbacks. Um, so yeah, we'll get more into that. We'll talk more sleepers. We'll stop. We'll talk more. You know, we'll do some some draft yoga, uh, stretching for some players. We'll get more name specific. We'll start drilling down a little bit more on some specific names. Um, just as long as we're all in agreement that 
the uh, the names don't really matter. <laughs> All that matters is the roster build. If we can agree to that, then uh, I think that we can definitely start talking about some names to kind of maximize that roster build. So we'll do that. Thank you all again for the questions. Um, And uh, thank you again from the very bottom of my heart just for sticking with it, uh, you know, staying a part of the conversation. And, uh, um, yeah, just for your continued support of, you know, for, for me, for the Superflex Super Show, and at all that goes and for all that goes with it. So let's wrap it up here. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcast Mega Feed. Do us a huge favor by rating and reviewing the show if you haven't already. Help me to uh, get out to more people, touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. And uh, you can also get at me on Twitter. So at Superflex Show, but man, I'm bad at checking that. Just just get at me at Superflex Dude so much easier that way um and i can you know retweet trade polls for you um definitely answer answer questions have conversations um look at uh look at roster builds and and just admire them together <laughs> love doing that i love seeing a good qbx Superflex flywheel roster so if you've got one show it to me get at me dm me uh, tweet it at me, whatever you want to do. I'm I'm always down to admire those with you. It's like a like a muscle car, like a foreign import or something to me. You know, where where people nerd out looking at cars, I nerd out looking at uh, at QBX and and uh, Superflex flywheel rosters. So so send them to me, share them with me. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brink Toolist. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this, this journey. Thanks for being a part of this conversation. You just mean, you mean the absolute world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.